Good morning. Um, Our first reading is from Ezekiel, the 34th chapter. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the uninhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is not it enough for you to feed on the good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture, and to drink of clear water, that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet, and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder, and thrust at all the weak with your horns, till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock, They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle lesson comes from 1 Timothy, the first chapter. The aim of our charge is love, that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. 
To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The gospel reading appointed for this Sunday, the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, is from the gospel of St. Luke, the 15th chapter, beginning of verse 1. And this will also serve as the basis for the message this morning. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so Jesus told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays hold of it and puts it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and diligently seek until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Today we begin our kids' time. And so at this time I invite the children who are between the ages of three through grade two if you're so inclined to go back to the back of the church, well, someone will wait for you and will be waiting for you and they'll take you aside to study the Bible and to do a craft and then you'll be coming back and joining us after the worship, after my sermon. So, now, we direct our attention to Luke 15, verses 1 through 10, which I just read to you moments ago. In his book, Dino Rizzo, shares a conversation that he had with his father. Rizzo recounts, I showed my dad her picture. I was 22, and I had just proposed to this woman, and somehow I had gotten her to agree to marry me. My dad looked at me, and then he looked at the picture. He looked at me, and then he looked again at the picture, and then he looked at me again, and he looked at the picture again. And then he turned to me and he said, Son, you've got to get a ring on her finger right away. We can't let this one get away. Rizzle then continues, Just as my father was unwilling to let the blessings of this beautiful daughter-in-law slip away, I believe our Heavenly Father feels the same way for the lost. The heart of God Almighty sees the people in our homes and in our cities and in the cubicles next to us and down the street. And he values them as prizes that he's willing, unwilling to go without. And he says, let's do whatever it takes, no matter the cost. We can't let them get away. Luke 15 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Chapter 15 is, is home to the two parables that I just read to you, and also it's home to the parable of the prodigal son. Bible scholars refer to this chapter as the gospel of the outcast. 
but I think it might be more appropriately named the gospel for the outcast. The gospel, or this chapter, begins with Luke's observation that tax collectors and sinners were gathering around Jesus to, to hear him. Jesus' association with these societal outcasts is not sitting well with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They're muttering, well, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Well, as the parables unfold in chapter 15 of Luke's gospel, Jesus explains why he's hanging out with these dregs of society. These sinners are of infinite worth to God. Yes, these sinners, these tax collectors, these prostitutes, these outcasts are of infinite worth to God. God's attitude towards all sinners, even including those smug Pharisees and teachers of the law, is we can't let this one get away, no matter the cost. In Matthew Redmond's song, Better is One Day, we sing, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty, for my soul longs and even faints for you, for here my heart is satisfied within your presence. It is satisfied. We said something that, similar at the beginning of this service when we said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Do not these words express our heart's fervent prayer? We're so blessed, aren't we? We're so blessed to have Jesus minister to us day by day as we go about our business, as we do our duties in our home, as we work in our workplace, and as we serve in our community. I mean, we experience the love and the grace of God and Jesus Christ in so many ways. We live with the knowledge that we are children of God by virtue of our baptismal call. We're so privileged to be able to come into this house of worship and to commune at the Lord's table and receive the body and blood of our good shepherd. Yes, there are countless ways in which we're so blessed by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But there's another reality, a very grievous reality, an ugly reality, which is also very real for us. And it's a daily struggle that we have. In Robert Robertson's classic hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, we pray, Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace now be like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Are we not like sheep? Safe in the fold. Under the protective care and the love of our good shepherd. And yet we're prone to be like that one sheep in that parable Jesus told, to wander, to think the grass is greener somewhere else, to lose sight of the, of the good shepherd and no longer to hear his voice. Are we not prone to leave the God who loves us? Oh, yes, we are. And we would do well to repent. 
to say, Lord, I am one of those outcasts who is of infinite worth to God. I am that lost sheep. I am the lost coin. I am prone to wander. I am responsible, Jesus, for your death. Please forgive me for all my sins. And God does. God does forgive us of all of our sins. That's the good news. That's the point of these two parables that Jesus tells. God forgives us for our wandering ways. God's who heart, whose heart gushes with love for each of us says in his heavenly chamber, let's do whatever it takes no matter the cost. We can't let this one get away. Our Lord's passionate desire for the lost sheep, for you and me, is, is expressed so beautifully in Ezekiel 34, which we heard read moments ago, where, where the shepherd says, I will seek the lost, I will gather the scattered, I will bind up the broken, and I will strengthen the sick. This prophecy is fulfilled in, in Jesus, our good shepherd. The good shepherd who came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus, God's son, he does whatever it takes to rescue us. He even laid down his life for us, didn't he? The good shepherd laid down his life for us on the cross, on our behalf. He sacrificed himself once for all for the righteous, the righteous for the unrighteous, the innocent for the guilty. In his book, While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks, Timothy Linnaeus writes, there are about one billion sheep in the world. But each one matters to a shepherd somewhere. I asked a Bedouin about losing sheep. And from the mountains surrounding ancient Petra, Ahmad responded with characteristic confidence. He said, since 1984, I have never lost a sheep or a goat that I didn't find again, either dead or alive. But then, with hesitation and obvious feeling, the shepherd continued, except one. And that one I can never forget. She is on my mind every night before I sleep. Do you think that the lost sheep are on the mind of the good shepherd? That the good shepherd may even be a little bit agitated over lost sheep and lost coins? I know how I become agitated when I lose things of value to myself. What about you? In the two parables, the lost coin and and the lost sheep, Jesus is teaching us that we should always count by ones. When we count money, don't we count one coin or one dollar at a time? Shepherds certainly count their sheep one by one at the end of the day. And our good shepherd counts each and every one of us as he comes to us in our baptism and he calls us by name and he says, you will be sheep in my fold. What a beautiful image Isaiah presents of the singular love that the shepherd has for us. A 
again in Isaiah 40, he says, And he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. You and I are that lamb that he holds close to his heart. We are the ones who he holds in his strong and loving and caring arms. And he does that for each and every one of his sheep. Contrast that attitude with that of little bull peep. You remember little bull peep, don't you? Little bull peep had lost her sheep and didn't know where to find them. And so what did little bull peep do? What was little bull peep's solution? Leave them alone. And they'll come home, wagging their tail behind them. Oh, if only that were true. You see, we're fooling ourselves if we expect lost sheep to find their way back to the good shepherd. Or for the lost coin to find its way back into his pocket. Someone has observed that the devil has but one agenda. To keep lost people lost. I would add that the devil is also determined to steal sheep from Jesus' flock. There's nothing that brings him more glee than to see one of us wander away from Jesus. We can't expect spiritually dead people to find their way back to the shepherd. In the parable, it's the shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the lost one. It's the woman who turns on all the lights in her house, sweeps the floor, and searches carefully until she finds that lost coin. The good shepherd knows the nature of his sheep. He knows that they wander and that they become lost and that they're unable to find their way back to him. And hence, before he dies and before he ascends into the heavens, Jesus recruits and he trains what many people would consider outcasts, but he trains fishermen and tax collectors and zealots and former prostitutes, among others, to be shepherds. So that they may retrieve the lost sheep of Israel. He reminds them of the broader scope of his mission. He says, I have other sheep. I must bring them also. And throughout the centuries, our good shepherd continues to add sheep to his fold through the witness of his followers, through people like you and me. You see, our good shepherd recruits us, our good shepherd feeds us, our good shepherd trains us, and then our good shepherd sends us to search for lost sheep. Because you see, we're not just sheep, but Jesus miraculously transforms us to be shepherds be his under-shepherds. And as his under-shepherds, he sends us out in search of the lost sheep with, with determined action to rescue them, to not let any sheep be lost, no matter the cost. Lenaic recounts the story of two brothers who search for their lost sheep through the night until they discover the trail of the missing sheep. And as they're returning back to the village, their father calls out to them, Have you found them? And the brothers respond, Saved. Both are saved. And their answer is 
enough to fill the little house with great rejoicing. And every member of the family asked the brothers to tell the story again and again and again of how they sought the sheep, how they found the sheep, and then how they saved the sheep. It sounds a little bit like our parable, doesn't it? The parable that Jesus tells. When he says that the shepherd comes home and he calls together all of his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who think that they have no need for repentance. For I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. My friends, my fellow under-shepherds, Let's give the angelic host of heaven reason to celebrate. Let's first of all repent of our own sin and live daily in the forgiveness and love of our God, our Savior Jesus Christ, our Good Shepherd. And as we live life daily in God's grace and favor, in His forgiveness, and as we live in His fold, Let's do whatever it takes, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice involved, to rescue lost sheep, to find lost coins. For you see, we can't let them get away. And now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us that which is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.